I am unashamed. What about you? So we are officially in October now. Is it October? It's October. October. It doesn't feel like October. It's still a little bit warm here. I was was thinking August, maybe (laughs) late July. But you've you've been on the inside lounging back on your couch <laughs> reminiscing about how much money I made on the stock market. Negative. When, if, you, if you continue that particular lifestyle, you won't know what month it is. Yeah, yeah Jay's is always a month or two behind. When fall you. gets here, you are unaware of it because <laughs> fall to you means that you invested in the wrong company. I was actually recreating the moment. In spring the- is spring forth and get rich. I was actually recreating the moment in Jeremiah Johnson. I thought we were playing that game this morning, but I see that we're not. We're getting personal. I've cut, I've cut a lot. Fall is cool in the morning, leaves beginning to turn. The opposite of spring when when... The, the creation bursts forth. Now the leaves are beginning to turn yellow and orange and red, and you could just go out in the middle of it, which you don't do here lately. You've been watching the computer market up and down. I'm watching the leaves fall. The leaves come and they begin to fall, and I'm saying, man, are we in October yet? And somebody finally says, yep, it October. is October. I'm so- like, Yesterday Ducks are on the move. I saw about that wad of woodies you scared up during teal season. I saw them come out of there day four yesterday. I'd say about 250 strong now. Mm-hmm. Few ducks mixed in with them, few teal, but well, mainly if you, if you woodies. Keep, if you keep scaring them all, they may leave. I'm 300, 400 yards away looking oh. way down there. <laughs> I'm, just checking. I'm, I'm brushing the pipeline floater with no help from you, my son. Well, I was in Ohio. I think I'm sensing a, a – uh, October, Jace, remember, blind brushing month. I said I was in Ohio. I was actually in uh, Missouri this weekend. Well, they're close, so, Jace. And when they're in, I, the, they're when in the same country. When I got back from, well, I know why I said Ohio, because this was the second most interesting event I had of the year. The Uh-oh. Yeah, the first one was was When the you Amish. rode down the tractor, yeah. Well, and look, old Melvin, he sent me a letter from the tractor ride yeah. from the Amish people, and I think it must have taken him three months to write this letter. It was that long. It was hilarious. I, I've never laughed so hard at a letter. but And he showed me all the work he does. I mean, look, the guy's a talented guy. So I got a – I got a, What line of work um, is he in? Woodworking. Any, Wood. They actually help build the ARC display. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was in on that. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So That thing and, is incredible. I mean, it, it will yeah. take your breath away when you first see it. That how big it is. I should have brought that and read some some excerpts in it. Well, it was a it was a really funny letter because I he he got a kick out of my opening line, which is because you know Amish people for the most part don't use electricity, nor do they watch TV. But yep. when I stood up in front of that crowd, I could tell they knew who I was. Yeah. So I my opening line was somebody. Is breaking the rules around here. Because if you know who I am. Did they laugh or groan? They laughed. Good move. So then I thought, yep. Yep. So he put in there, he said, yeah, just so you know, you were right about watching the TV. He said, what I would do is go rent a hotel room so I could watch your show. I thought, now that's being a fan. <laughs> when you're renting, because you think of all the mischief going on on why people temporarily rent, hotel. rent a hotel room. By the hour. So let me get this straight. To watch Duck Tops. You're going to go rent a hotel room and go in and watch our show? In secret. Yeah. That's fine. But I think, you know what? Okay. So I don't, I don't, I had no plans to talk about that. But the I was in I was in Missouri, and the reason it was second most interesting Missouri. this this was the man camp. Well, I you know a lot of these things I go to they'll call it something like that, and then you go and you're in the middle of town. And I, I've had, heard man cave. This is not knowing what what they're talking about, but I've just heard that. But I've never heard man camp. Yeah, they kind of 
challenged my manhood a little bit, just like with Texans. Like, what is it? Bring the women with you? The Cardale be? Well, they said no women, but when I got up, I looked around and I thought, there's about four or five women here that didn't get the memo, or or we're 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 dealing with some kind of midlife crisis here. You know, with our culture, you never know. But so there was mostly men, and uh, but it was out in a field. Uh, they had a tent, <clears throat> tents everywhere, and then we were like in a amphitheater tent. They had all their tents around this big tent, <clears throat> so we're out in the woods in a field. Kinda, was there kind of in town? You was know? there a fire, <laughs> a beds of fire ants every twenty feet? <laughs> oh no, but they had fires. They had fires. I didn't, I didn't see any, notice any ants. Was it cold? You know, no, but it wasn't like here. But it was—I would say it was warm. Well, I spoke. So, what was the purpose of the men gathering there? Well, I'll tell you this: the guy that picked me up—if they—if they brought you into it, kind of as the lead singer, if it had been a hillbilly concert, rock concert, mm -hmm. but they brought you in, why? Well, I didn't know, and uh, but I only have one one message, so. <laughs> I wasn't real sure. And so I asked a few questions, but the guy who picked me up, I've never seen the weaponry inside a vehicle like the display I saw. When I, when I, when, when I opened the door and looked, he had, he had a full-size truck with a king cab. There was a weapon at hand's reach in every possible place Imaginable. You're explaining my truck. <laughs> I've never seen. I would say there was at least thirty guns within hands reach. Is it possible that he, when somebody whispered in his ear, "Jason Robertson is coming," and he said, "Okay, time to get armed and heavily well, armed." I didn't know what to think about it. I mean, my first thing, I would have thought, <laughs> "Why do you have so many weapons?" Yeah, somebody. Yeah. Uh, my first. Oh, no, I would have thought I'm with a wise man here. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I thought, well, I said, "Are we friends?" And because I introduced myself, but he never even kind of acknowledged my presence, and so I thought, "Are we friends here?" <laughs> but uh, so I felt pretty good if a fight broke out. So I didn't know, but you know, when in doubt, share Jesus. They did have a have a great worship team that sang in front of me. So I thought, okay. So I introduced Jesus, but I did a little. I asked the guy, the weapon guy. I said, "What is this place famous for?" And he said, "Well, it's the raccoon capital of the world." The coon capital of the world. That's what he said. Hmm. And I thought, huh, I don't believe that. That's so I, <laughs> that's a tough I looked place. it I up. I thought we had that down here. Yeah. So I looked it up as, our property. as he's talking on my phone, and I put in the town. And look, here's what it said. It, it was like had a lot of information in the late, teen, late 1800s about the, the town. And then it fast forward, and it says the town was formerly known as the raccoon capital of the world. And I thought, when did he didn't say formally? He said this is the raccoon capital of the world, but they've killed the, all the, the raccoons. The social what an accolade for our town, boy! So I'm not sure if this is fake news, but somebody put in there because you know these Wikipedia's and all that's just somebody putting that in there. They put the word formally, which made me think of that that guy Prince. Remember, he was Prince, and then he was. The artist formerly known as Prince. Yep. Yeah. Or so yeah. I didn't know if it was a transition. So then I looked at what else had happened in that town and look, since that late eighteen hundreds, the only thing they had in there was they got a sonic drive in in two thousand seventeen. And in this current year, someone stole a purple dinosaur from the kids' playground that turned into a community search. And they all banded together looking for the for, for the purple dinosaur. When I brought up the purple dinosaur in the speech, the place came down. I mean, just, I said, look, I don't have your purple dinosaur. That, that was the line I used. <laughs> well, was, and, was it Barney? Wasn't Barney? I a, don't know. Zach, I, I, you've I, got kids. Wasn't it Barney a, a purple dinosaur? 
I didn't know he was missing in Missouri. He's missing in Missouri. <laughs> so it's a coon. So uh, uh, the most coons ever. The the town is named after coon. Most we have the yeah. most raccoons on planet Earth. Formerly, yeah. and there's a, now there's a purple what dinosaur. <laughs> I think it's it's a playground. I mean, these people are hot about it. They're mad. Which I thought, is that why we got all the weaponry? People are stealing our stealing. kids' was purple it dinosaurs. Like a, was it kind of like a statue of a dinosaur? I think I so. I bet it was Barney. They just made them mad that somebody come into a school playground and stole stole this. And they can't find it. There's no leads. There's no... So anyway, I, I so my opening line was, you know what I've gathered from this dissertation? There's not a whole lot going on around here. <laughs> So I launched from did there. Did they laugh or did they moan? Oh, they laughed. It was a great crowd. But people had, oh, yeah, that was, the, that was the best joke I told because they're all, that's what they've been talking about is the purple dinosaur. Oh, yeah, they knew about it because I didn't care if it bombed or not. What else am I going to talk about? I'm right. out in the middle of the woods <laughs> at a camp, and my assistant, she said, I'm going to stay in the truck. <laughs> I said, okay, because – you know, it's Missy's aunt. She didn't and want I, to come I, out there. No, she just said, I'm not going out there. And uh, I said, why not? She said, this is the redneck version of Woodstock. <laughs> that was her impression. <laughs> At the man. So then I said that. Yeah. I said, my assistant said she's not From coming out From just hearing your lead in, there was a lot of truth in her words. Yeah. I said, I don't know if it was because of the 50 weapons in the truck or just Y'all, but she called this the redneck. It really, stop. it is really. And having somebody a bunch of rednecks inviting Jason Robertson. I mean, think well, about who it. else would invite? You him? went into a zone that you were completely unfamiliar with, being around rednecks. Right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He was right in this. I loved it. He was in this, this wheelhouse. This, I, that's why I loved the whole experience. <laughs> but yeah, it was not a negative. It's interesting because we get invited to a lot of places, and I don't know, Jason. You're probably like me. I don't really always kind of. Like I try to look into it as I'm going, like like Jay's did, so I can kind of connect at a local level. So we went to Pennsylvania a couple of years ago, and I look on the sheet to see where we're going to be, the town. I'm kind of like Jay's. I'm trying to kind of come up with some factoids, look into it a little bit, and I see that we're staying. We're speaking in some other place, but we're staying in it. And I thought it was a typo. It said Intercourse, Pennsylvania. And I looked over at Lisa. I said, "We're staying in a place called Intercourse, Pennsylvania," and she said, "And, and you're doing a marriage?" Seminar? Yeah. Well, I was actually preaching, and so she said, "Well, I don't know. That's what the thing said." Sure enough, we pull into this, and it wasn't very big, and it's kind of a four way deal right there in the middle. Which you know, now I find out what the word used to mean is just you know an an intersection, basically. I mean, and, I think I would have just got up and said, "What are the odds?" <laughs> Well, I'm doing a I'm doing a marriage seminar in Intercourse, Virginia, or wherever it was called. Look, look, if that if nobody laughed at that, you should just walk down and leave. Well, my my first question I did talk about it. my first question to the people putting on the event. I said, "So you put us up in Intercourse, Pennsylvania?" And they said, "Yeah." What do you think about that? I said, "So why is it named that?" Because we we all know what that word means. And they said, "Well, the old word meant this." And I said, "Yeah, but." That doesn't mean that anymore. And, and I, he, I said, have y'all thought about changing your town's name? And he mm -hmm. said, yeah. But, you know, he said, the tourism is so good here. People want to come here. And they've well, got all course. these, you know, yeah, that hot go. tubs in the hotel. I mean, they've made a whole cottage industry off of their town being named Intercourse. So every time somebody tries to really define it, they put their fingers in their ears and go, ha, la, 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 la. <laughs> so so look, they gave us T-shirts that said, I heart intercourse, comma, P.A., of course, you know, you look at that. I'm not wearing that. When you when you read it, it looks like it says, I love intercourse, Paul, you know, because yeah. PA is Paul. So we actually wore it at some event we did, and it was uh, quite a stir. So there you go. So how many people were at this event, Jace? <clears throat> a couple of hundred, 300? You want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Dad, one of the things we found out about pain is that it, comes really from inflammation, at least your aches and your joints and your things like that. And as you get a little bit older, uh, that inflammation, of course, is uh, a little bit harder to tackle. And so you need some help. And uh, one of the things we found was a company called Omega XL. 
which is excellent, from the pristine waters of New Zealand. Uh, they did 35 years of clinical research, really help. And these guys are committed. You know, Dad and I met them, the couple that runs the company, and they not only have the research side with uh, Dr. McQuillan, but also just uh, really want to help people get out of pain. So we want you to check them out. If you've got some aches and pains and stiffness, try Omega XL. You go to omegaxl.com slash fill. You're going to buy one bottle, and you're going to get a second bottle for free. That's OmegaXL.com slash fill, or you can call them 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888, and get to work on that inflammation. I would say, yeah, a few hundred. Uh, look, there was a couple guys that had driven from Ohio that looked like, well, I was going to say size brothers but that would be you <laughs> included but you and Cy don't really look like brothers so that's getting awkward but <laughs> and uh I kind of had you know how I look for these these godly encounters so they actually did a meet and greet at the church building so about 50 of them 50 of the guys I'm sure they charged a you know some money or what I don't know what that was all about. But we were over at the church building and we did a little meet and greet. And one of the encounters, because I look for these these kind of godly encounters, which I did think it was impressive these two guys drove over 10 hours to be there. And there were several other people from various far-off places. Were they uh, podcast listeners, unashamed? A lot of them were. Yeah. Well, the one guy I'm going to tell you about, because a guy, he drove five hours just to ask me a question. He's like, listen to the podcast, and I thought this was a good question. It was a real tough question to answer in a in a meet and greet, but I could tell he was distressed. But he said, here's my situation. I got three little kids, three, two, and one. I went, oh, I see. I see what you got going on here. He's been to and Pennsylvania, too. Do, do the math, yeah. <laughs> and he said, but my wife, he said, you know, before she came to Jesus, she – she just, she was in a rough lifestyle. He said, and she, she looks rough. She got tattoos everywhere. And, uh, but the churches that she were involved, she was involved in when she was a kid were all, and he was trying to find the word, you know, and I said, legalistic. He's like, well, they just, it was like real rule oriented and kind of mean spirited. And I was like, oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> We've been there. He said, so now, <clears throat> Here's the deal. He said she loves the Lord, but she doesn't like to, she doesn't want to go to church. She just doesn't want to go. But I'm looking at my three kids, and I'm thinking I need all the help I can get. I, I want these kids to grow up in that environment. What do you recommend? So I wanted to know. Now, we talked about it. I didn't come across like, oh, I'm an expert. I know how to do this because I sympathize with his situation. Mm -hmm. But what would you tell someone like that well i would um, i immediately thought of first peter three um which is peter aims it at a wife but you could make the same application to a husband it says if you know if you're married to an unbeliever then and i'm paraphrasing but your your goal should be to live as exemplary a life as possible but she's a believer yeah so what was i missed the first she, part she, she's she just a won't go well, she's a believer, but she's she looks rough, just because you know. In her before she mm -hmm. came to Jesus, I mean, he brought basically, from what I understood, brought her to Jesus, and she loves Jesus, but she's had some bad oh, experiences in the past pre-Jesus, so she's done with like organized religion. Well, and, but I still think it's important. He's right; it's important for your children you don't have to be associated to a church to teach them mm -hmm. but they do learn at a good level i mean most churches the one thing that most churches are good at is is teaching children and you know them learn the bible in a way that they can get it so yeah. well, I, I think you need all the help you can get with your well, kids built in built into the bible uh since you've been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, your life is now hidden in Christ. You look down the bottom of that, therefore, 
So you'll have to, she would have to read this to understand the Bible takes for granted that you will interact with like-minded individuals. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, that's for others, kindness, that's for others, humility, that's for others, gentleness, that's for others, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, I'm just simply making a point, Jace, for her. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which is interaction for your neighbor along with God that binds them all together in perfect unity. Yeah. If he's going to write that, if he's going to tell the Colossians, the church there, interaction between them was evident. You will yeah. have to interact. You will, in fact... Gather with like-minded individuals, Jesus number one, and this is how you to treat each other. But if that's the case, and sometime she would, you say, well, how much organization does it take to get forty people under a roof or at your house or next door? It, so how are you going to fulfill all these texts about how you operate with others if you're not with others? Right. In other words. Yeah. It, it's being a little selfish to, to not interact with people of All the right. same belief system that yours is. Jesus, number one, he's our superman. He's our supernatural. But his point, his point was noted that there are going to be people. I said, I think I would look for a grace-based yep. church. I was one. thinking that, too. I said, look, if you venture the two groups that I meet with the most in our hometown, <clears throat> I mean— Half the people in there look like your wife. She's so, thinking, yeah. go to organized religion. I'm trying to get through you. My answer to you for her is, girl, you need to realize you come out of a tough past. Now that you've been one of the chosen by God and you're a member of his body, uh, this is not just on Sunday morning for two hours going somewhere. This is who you interact with in a positive way with all yeah. these qualities on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And if, if you even show up on Sunday anywhere, somewhere in your life, you have to put others' needs ahead of your own. Yeah. Well, That's what, what I'm saying. If Jesus had done this, well, I don't know whether I want to hang around that bunch or not. Well, we would be in a sad state. Well, I agree. What I did was I used the analogy in 1 Corinthians 12. I said, you got to remember. I said, I think you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it like, oh, I need to go to church. And so I kind of went through that deal about you don't go. You are. We're the body of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. I said, and, you know, Paul gave an analogy that we're like body parts put together. I said, so it doesn't make sense to have your index finger on the table, and the rest of you are somewhere else. I said, we, now you there's parts sent. of your body that you don't like or that could be better, or, but that, we're the body. This is all you got. You were sent to Missouri with this overarching teaching. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Life and death is His for us. He give you life or death. Uh, we try to persuade men. Well, that has to be acted upon somehow in each person's own life. You're in a zone to where you're trying because your fear of God and your love for him, and you look at what he's done, life and death's on the table, immortality or eternal damnation, and you say, because of that, we fear the Lord and we try to persuade men. Well, you can't persuade well, them if you never interact with them. But right out, you have a good point. You, you, we fear God, but we don't. We're not afraid of people because I think she's afraid of That's what correct. people think. Even where we're at in our study in Matthew, when he sends out, she the, needs the to grow 12, in that area. Well, when he, well, obviously, <clears throat> Phil, but I'm saying it's understandable. Because she came from a legalistic background, she comes to Jesus. Well, that, and look, I think there's a lot of people who who well, that, have, that, well, that would be my message to for him to help her is that you have to look at grace 
is it's not just what you receive because she's been forgiven of her sins. Yeah. She had a rough past. But look, grace received then becomes grace extended. And that includes t- to legalistic background, to churches. I mean, what I tried, I went to Jace. We were part of some places that were pretty legalistic, but oh, yeah. I don't hold that against them. I mean, like, I still learned some good things from the, from those experiences. It wasn't great. I wouldn't want to repeat that myself, but you have to extend grace both ways. If you're going to receive it, you need to be able to offer it. So that's what I would challenge for her. That'd be Second Corinthians 5 and 6. She hang, needs to read that. Hang, hang on, Zach. Let's take a Hang on, Zach. Yeah, let's take a break. So, Dad, I've used your line before about the biggest changes since you've uh, you're well known and and uh, rich now. The, what changes? And you always say the menu. One of the things I've noticed has changed in my life is I sleep better than I did when I was younger. Didn't have anything because you never really thought about your mattress or your bed situation. You just gonna want to lay down. In fact, Jay slept on a couch growing up. Sometimes we slept on the floor. You know, it's just kind of the way it was. Now, of course, uh, we we appreciate being able to have some higher end uh, sleeping situations. And one of the companies that uh, sponsors this is Helix Sleep. They make uh, mattresses right here in the good old U.S. of A. They ship them straight to your door. Free no contact delivery, free returns, and you have a hundred night sleep trial. So you get a hundred nights to be able to that's a third of a year to see if you really like it and you will you'll love it you go to their website helixsleep.com slash unashamed and you're going to take a little quiz there jace took it found that he's a side sleeper i didn't realize that jace till i read this copy uh and they're going to tell, send you exactly what you need it's going to fit you there's a 10-year warranty like i said you can try it out for 100 nights they're also offering up to 200 dollars off all mattress orders and two free pillows for unashamed listeners so go to helix H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash unashamed $200 off and two free pillows. Uh, part of the problem is we, uh, I think in the church, we come into it with a consumption mindset. So it's, we, we view church as something that we go to, to consume, we consume worship or we consume the, the, the sermon and we're, you know, we're spectators uh, in the audience and you got the, whatever the show is, and we're consuming it. But I think primarily uh, the the church, the, the, or, the church, it, there is an organized church in Scripture. It's difficult to get away from it, no matter how bad you've been hurt by it. And we've all been hurt. We all got church hurt. I mean, I've got my fair share of church hurt as well. Um, and, I mean, my dad was fired twice from the ministry, uh, once in the late 70s for bringing black kids to church in the late 70s in North Florida, which was unacceptable, I guess, in that time period. And, uh, and then second, he, uh, when I was in sixth grade, my dad was fired from a church in Gainesville, Florida, um, for honestly just preaching the gospel of grace. And the church was very legalistic and they ran him off and there's a, a lot of abuse. And, you know, uh, you hear about uh, pastors abusing children and, and manipulating people. And mm-hmm. you, know, you just you see all that. We all kind of come to the table with some kind of hurt. Um, but I think what what I've learned over the years is that church primarily is formative. It's to form us into the image of Christ. And so we come together in a community. I mean, I think about the times that we've had at the church I grew up in, in Louisiana with you guys and, and taking that communion every Sunday. And you know, people are like, why do you do it every Sunday? Doesn't it get old? And, and, and sometimes maybe it gets ritualistic, but man, I, I think about Paul Stevens up there telling a story about his son, Zach. I think about, you know, just there's so many memories of people up there talking about what the communion means, means to them. And if, and if you're not coming and participating in that as a body, uh, not only are you missing out, but the church is missing out to Phil's point and Jace's point. The church is missing out from what you would be bringing to that community. So That's I, it. I mean, I don't know how you do it without community. It'd be know? tough. Yeah. And, and he mentioned children. And you know how they're important. Zach, your kids are great. But I think part of the reason they are is, is more than just you and Jill. I think it's a, it's the input of being around so many other great people and great Christians that fed into their lives. And now they get the opportunity to feed in other people's lives. That's what really it's all about, I mean, in terms of having community. Oh, no question. There, uh, this On Sunday at our church, our, uh, one of our pastors, the way we do church here is we have an uh, elder-led church. We don't have a lead pastor, so we kind of rotate through. The elders rotate through and, and, and teach and preach. And um, this Sunday, one of the elders was talking about an experience he had in Waffle House. And he goes into Waffle House, 
and he's, he's, he sits down and he sees this guy walk in and he said, I didn't know, I've never talked to this gentleman before in my life, but I knew 100, with 100% certainty that this guy rides a Harley, the way he looked, the way he was dressed, the whole nine yards. And, and then he talked about CrossFit people. And you know, if somebody's into CrossFit by how they act, how they, what they wear, who they, and, and what his point was, is that once you have a desire and a love for something, you're going to get into that community and then that community is going to normalize whatever the behavior is. And CrossFit, it's pushing your body to the point of death. And then they're going to, the, to glorify that. Well, that's what the church does. The church is you, you get into this community because you love Jesus. And, and, and then we, we shape each other by, by the grace of God to be more like Jesus. And when you hear people's stories, like Chad Johnson, for example, when I see what that guy's doing in the kingdom, I mean, like that, that that tears my heart up in a good way to see what he's doing. Then I'm motivated to to to, to you know to move forward in my faith with Jesus and to, to be more like Christ. And I think that's the point. And you miss out on that though if you if you say I'm not going to participate in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the point I made, and I think that's all. I mean, it it, it made me think because I thought this is this is a good question. Was in Matthew five when when Jesus said. In verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And so I think there's always a temptation to go way off in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and say, I'm just going to cut myself off from the world for whatever reason or the church or but Jesus, and what we've studied in Matthew, is basically saying the exact opposite. Even when you come to Matthew 10, I mean, he's sending them out. This is, this is we're, we're out here. Right. And that's what he calls us to do, to not only look at people's needs physically, spiritually, but to share how, how great he is. And, and, I mean, he did it and had conversations with Pharisees and religious people the whole time, but he wasn't afraid of them. I noticed three times in his charge in Matthew 10 when he sent them out, he said, because Phil brought up the point about about we do have a healthy fear of God, and I've always said we fear God because we know that he knows us <laughs> and, and our flaws. Yeah. But we don't fear other people because we know God. We know that he's gracious and loving and righteous, and I think that's a good way to look at it. I think that, you know, the number one phrase in the Bible is don't be afraid, but, like, number five is fear God. So people are confused by that. But I just noticed in Matthew 10, 26 to 31, three times he says, don't be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed. This is verse uh, 26 of 10. That will not be disclosed or hidden. That will not be made known. So he knows everything that's ever happened and that will happen, and it'll all be revealed. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs, which I'm saying is the exact opposite of I'm going to go home and not move. Do not be afraid. There's There's the phrase again of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then he gets into this, what's your worth? He says, you know, suppose two sparrows are sold, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And so then he says it again. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. So, I mean, he knew when you go out into the world, things are going to happen. Right. When you go to church buildings, things are going to happen. I mean, because I, I got to thinking about it. She's, she's fearful of what other people think. But all she is in her heart is is what her newfound faith is. Yeah. And so if, you're, if, you're, if Jesus was worried about that, he never would have done any of this. Let's take another break. So one of our uh, new sponsors I'm excited about uh, is a company called Dwell, and it's uh, based on uh, the Psalms, let the let the Word of God dwell in your heart, which I think that's pretty good, Dan. They built a whole app 
with the idea of being able to listen to the scriptures and interact with the scriptures, I think, which is a really cool idea. You know, it's, it's we're kind of dinosaurs because we still like our Bibles laid in front of us. And I still like turning the page. But most people get their Bible now on their phone, you know. And so when I'm preaching to people, I hear very few pages turn. It's everybody. They got their phone out, you know, and that's where they get the scripture. So that's. Dad, you talk about bad things on the internet. That's one good thing. Yeah, is that you can get the word of God right there in your pocket. And so that's what these guys do. They've got an app, and so you have a, a read along experience, which is really cool. It it allows the word of God to literally dwell in you. So if you want to get started with these guys at Dwell, go to dwellappapp.io slash unashamed. That's dwellapp.io slash unashamed. You're going to get ten percent off a yearly subscription. Or you can get 33% off Dwell for Life. That means 33% off saves you 50 bucks, which is really good. So it's dwellapp.io slash unashamed to commit to Scripture for the rest of your year or the rest of your life. Jesus displayed that same exact, um, he he embodied what you just said, Jason, John 16. I was reading this this morning, and you made me think about that because he's on the brink of death, and he's telling his disciples, "Like I'm, about, I'm leaving, and and you guys are going to be left here. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Counselor's coming. I mean, he's, he's getting ready to die. Jesus is, and I love this part right here in John seven uh, sixteen thirty two. It says, "The hour, uh, behold, an hour is coming, and it's actually already come for you to be scattered." each to his own home and to leave me alone. So Jesus is about to be completely isolated and completely alone, which is what the fear, particularly in our culture of persecution, is that we'd be marginalized and left alone. But I love what Jesus says about himself. He says, I'm about to be alone, but he says, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And I, I think that, like, it doesn't mean when you, we do have anxiety from persecution. I mean, Jesus was sweating blood here, you know, uh, in the garden. But at the same time, like his, something overrode that fear. And, and, and I think what it was, was that he knew that he had a father, an eternal father that was never going to abandon him and it was never going to leave him. And it was in that holy triune relationship, this unadulterated love that, that Jesus found Really, that Jesus found his, his his identity, his self, everything was found in that relationship, and so I think he models that kind of fearlessness for us right before his own his own crucifixion by fixating on who his father was and, and being in a relationship with him. And don't you think he really gives us an expectation of persecution? Look, I, I'm all about religious liberty and religious freedoms because you hear this a lot in our culture today. But whether we got those or not, I mean, the, the Constitution guarantees them, but whether we get them or not, it doesn't matter whether we're going to do what we've been told to do by Jesus, right? I mean, I expect persecution to come. So if people are going to get after you because you're speaking truth into the culture, mm-hmm. then you're doing exactly what Jesus told you to do. What the Apostle Paul told the Philippians is worthy of note. He says there'll be partners in the gospel from the first day unto now, He said, which is great. You are down below there. I'm in Philippians 1, verse 7. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. First, it was partnership in the gospel. Well, it's seen. Defending and confirming the gospel. This girl can have great uh, fruit will come. Down at the bottom, what, 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 what happened to me really served to advance the gospel. That's verse 16. Then you get over there, the latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Well, and you get down, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Stand in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Well, somewhere in everybody's life, they need to get off the thing about organized. I don't want organized religion. Say what you will, if the purpose and in these epistles to the Colossians, to the Philippians, to the Ephesians. And he was stated here, whether I live or die, uh, I want Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Now he's died. They murdered him. We're here 2,000 years later reading his writings, and we're looking at it saying, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, 
So if while I'm here, watch, if I go on living in the body, this girl needs to know this, this will mean fruitful labor for me. She needs to realize all God asks of her is fruitful labor, little girl, fruitful labor, where people are persuaded maybe there is something to this God thing. So we all come together as one, pointing people to Jesus. Well, we have to do it. If we all do the same thing, I would say it's pretty well organized. Well, you say, Zach, it's, it's <laughs> no, an organized, it, it, it's organized spiritual organization, each one looking after the other's needs as we get along with each other, reach out to the, our neighbors. Well, at some point, that's got to be done in some fashion. Exactly. Well, I've thought about this Second Timothy 2. You know, in 14, he's talking about people who come in and they're teaching falsely. And in verse 16, he's like, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And, and then he's like, their teaching will spread like gangrene. And then he has a couple of examples of guys who have wandered away from the truth they say the resurrection has already taken place and they're destroying the faith of some. So it's kind of the same situation that he's referring to. So the point I want to get at is that 19, he kind of gives you the foundation for how you view that, though. He doesn't say, so separate yourself from them. Or he says, remember, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, which kind of mirrors what we're reading in Matthew 10 about do you not think your worth to God has not been proven I mean that's why he said when two birds hit the ground he knows it knows how many hairs are on your head but and so now he says the Lord knows those who are his which I love that and then it says everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness and I think the line in the sand of that is kind of what uh, Zach referred to about the abuse by pastors, you know, once w wickedness is embraced in, in in church settings, okay, well, it's time to re rethink where we're going. Yep. But all this other stuff, you're you're never going to find a perfect church because it's made up of imperfect people mm -hmm. who have put their faith in Jesus. So you're always going to be offended by somebody, which is why Jesus spent so much time talking about how you respond when people offend you. Because it's going to happen. Well, and to Zach's point earlier, you're always, how many times are we warned by Jesus and later by the uh, by the epistle writers that there will be wolves that come into the flock to take advantage to, you know, yeah. all the things that Zach, you mentioned earlier. So you got to have an expectation that Satan still works. It's just, it's like anything else. It's a lot harder when you have a unified community for him to do as much damage as he would do individually to somebody who didn't have a support system. That's so correct. that becomes part of the system. And dad, I think you and mom show that, you know, you're at the point in life, we're doing this podcast. You got another show in the woods. You talk about the Bible all the time. You impact a lot of people. I mean, I got a note this week from a woman that said, you know, just listen to your dad has totally changed my life because of listening to the word. But yet you still feel it necessary to go up on Sunday and be a part of a little group there that you're helping out and, and, and provide a place for people to come. Free of charge. Right. So what I'm saying is it is important, I think, for all of us to recognize both. And that really, Jace, you're right. That's really what Matthew 10 is about, is is about having a mission mindset. Let's Let's take our last break. And that's what this was. I get, I drive one, one time a week and it's basically the order of the, the weeks and the months, get in the rig, drive to town, go in. We have a big meal prepared. The homeless are there. The downtrodden are there. Different ones from all over the United States are in there. I'm there just to help them, reach out to them, let them know I love them. Glad you all are here. If I don't interact with them somehow, and a lot of them are converted because they said, you know, I just, I need to get on track. We talk about it. They're dealing with their sin. I'm just there to help. There's no money changing hands. There's no plate being passed. We're just doing it and trying to help out our fellow man. It's got to be done somehow. The world's in a mess, that's for sure. Yeah. 
I would say this: no matter how big your your global ministry is, it's it, it nothing can take the place of the local church. There's nothing, and so I love I love watching you feel. I love watching you meet with this, with that body of believers every week because, and it's what yep. you know. It's it's not it's not a mega church. It's it's just a faithful ministry that you're doing locally. That I think, but it's funny how much of what you're doing in the local church, and really all of us, what we're doing locally bleeds out into the discussions that we're having here where correct. you know we're, correct. millions of people are, are hearing this every month and and you think well man where, where's this where's all this material come from it's it's coming from the fruit it's the fruit of what's already happening locally and there's just no substitute for that you know locally local bodies meeting together the local church she needs that girl needs to remember we're not a denomination we're just the kingdom of God operating within a a so-called uh, Democratic Republic, you know, uh, and well, we're, th- we're just showing them Jesus in the midst of all that. So, but you're we're actually acknowledging Jesus before man. I mean, you're publicly identifying yourself with that's correct being owned by Jesus. Which in that Matthew ten, it made me think it was really what he was saying anyway. You know, in verse thirty two, he says, "Whoever acknowledges me before men." I mean, he just said three times, don't be afraid of what other people think. He's like, whoever acknowledged me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven, which he, he mirrors. Pretty simple. Uh, Paul to Timothy mirrored the same thing in that chapter 2 when he said, yep. if we died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we'll reign with him. If we disown him, He'll disown us. Yep. If we're faithless, he'll remain faithful, which is why you should pursue a grace-based group of people. So, and then I I know he got it from Jesus in Matthew 10, because then he gets into that, don't suppose I came to bring peace, uh, but a sword. Because what happens when you acknowledge Jesus before men, well, you're going to have conflict. In your family, yeah. in the group of people that you're meeting with on Sunday morning, and people in the world, no people doubt. who disagree with you. But then he gets down and says, I think 38 is the key phrase because it mirrors what Second Timothy about dying with Jesus. But he says that anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses it, loses his life for my sake will find it, which I wish I would have just said, because I think ultimately when somebody is at that stage of their faith, they got to realize it's not about you. That's right. You know, we get out there and we put ourselves in public places to acknowledge Jesus. We're going to be persecuted. You're not going to like everything there, but it's not about you. You're trying to yeah. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. I, I I love. I'm glad you brought that part up about the he didn't uh, bring the sword for nothing, and um, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Uh, I, I'd caution though on that that I've seen people use this verse to be divisive as an excuse to go in and blow things up, and that's not what he's saying. Especially when you read the last part of that verse, it's about taking up. Your cross and following me is what Jesus is talking about. It's not something that that we're we're motivated to to tear down God's church, to be divisive, to be angry. I mean, this is something that He's telling people: Hey, man, if you follow me, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to hurt. You're going to lose family members. You're going to there's going to be people that are that are angry at you. But it's not a I don't think what Jesus is saying here is I want you to go, you know, storm the Capitol or I want you to go. That's not what he's talking about. You know, he's not talking about that kind of behavior. He's talking about a sacrificial, humble life that when people see you, man, they're this the humility that's going to offend them. You know, that, not not you in their face trying to rip them apart, you know. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. The division comes because of who you are. And remember, this whole context, he's presenting this whole new look at the kingdom. We've been talking about this whole book of Matthew. So what's going to happen is people that have viewed it another way, 
there's where the friction comes in because now it's like I, I follow Jesus, and so they're going to kick him out of synagogue. They're not going to let him come to the temple. They're not going to let him make sacrifice. You know, that's what he's talking about. Is that it's more for your stand of who you are. Well, I think that's why to your behavior. That's why he started off with the Sermon on the Mount with those attitudes because exactly. those false teachers out there running around, they don't possess those qualities. That's right. why I said that. If you that that's that's the true test. I mean, you look at false teachers and you say they're poor in spirit, negative. Right. They're usually loud and cocky. Yeah. <laughs> they're uh they mourn. No. <laughs> the last thing you're gonna do. They're outraged, yeah. you know, over something. They're meek. No. They're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I mean, I just picture somebody which when you when you really think about what he was Zero and in on is somebody out there clawing around on the ground looking for water or food. That's how we are with God. That's we're, we're, yeah, we're desperate for his righteousness. This just doesn't come across like the false teachers that you encounter. Right. I agree. And, and that sets the whole stage for it. We just got a little bit of time left. I want to mention uh, Jason's talking about being in Missouri this week. Uh, Lisa and I are going to be uh, on the road, so we've got so many unashamed out there. I always like to let you know, in case you're in the area, uh, I'm going to be in Leesburg, Virginia, uh, on Thursday night. It's an event called Pray, Vote, Stand, and uh, you can go to frc.org for information about that. Then we're on to Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, we're actually going to be speaking in Kingston, Massachusetts. Hmm. I've never been to Massachusetts, so I'm really excited about that. And it's the Restoration Community Church, rrckingston.org. We'll give you intel on that. So we love it when you guys come out and we get to see you. And, and, and just like this this whole podcast, really, Chase, has been about a conversation that Jay's had with a listener because, yeah. and, and you made a good point, Jay's, if if you get a question from people, I realize that because we have such a lot of a large audience, then there are other people thinking or having some of the same issues. And, well, and we like that because it, that's, a, that's what drives our Bible discussion, you know? It was funny because my assistant, you know, she gets paid to move the line along. Yeah. But he asked me that question and I could tell he was distraught. He'd driven five hours. I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, I, I called it a godly encounter because I could just sense that he was just distraught about this. Yeah. And he thought, what is my move? I'm going to go ask this guy, Jace. I read on Facebook he's going to be in town, Missouri. I'm get, I mean, I just went through the practical motions of him being there. Yeah. And I thought, this was a leap of faith. <laughs> That's right. I'm paying the money. I'm paying the extra money for the VIP. I'm driving the five hours. I'm going to have the conversation. So every time my assistant would try to move the, the line along, I was like, wait. Because I, I wanted to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I thought, I, I can tell this guy cares about his family. Right. And he's trying to lead his family. You know what it was, Jason? It was the story we told last week on the podcast about the, the guys that lowered the guy through the roof. It was like, exactly. we're, we're going to find a way to get there because we, we know that what our friend needs. And Jesus said, because yeah. of their faith. You know, this guy winds up getting healed. I getting thought healed. if we had a bunch of guys out there driving five hours to have a conversation about how they could lead their family to Christ in a closer way, I mean, you want to talk about changing the world. Yep. There you go. I like it. All right. We're out of time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.